But this week is the final sermon in the series on the book of Joshua. It's sermon number 24. It's called A Legacy Inspiring Faithfulness. So this this Joshua series has been an incredibly fun series to preach. Like when you do these deep dives into these narrative Old Testament stories, you begin to feel like you get to know the people personally, right? Like we all know Joshua now, right? He's our boy. And what begins to happen is you understand as you study them in, in the way that we study them with the his, history, the theology, and then that personal section, you begin to understand the details of how their legacy of faithfulness is woven into the fabric of the entire story of redemption from Genesis through Revelation. I especially love how going through Joshua after we did Revelation has helped tie all these narratives together even more, right? We saw that so many times, like with, the, like with the seven trumpets. We saw that at Jericho and the falling down of the walls and how Joshua saw someone with a sword and spoke with him, how John saw the same thing. There's so many connections between Joshua and Revelation. It's just a beautiful thing. So many parallels from what God commanded Joshua and Israel to do to what Jesus has commanded us to do. So the question becomes, how do we know if we as a church have learned what we were supposed to learn from our series on Joshua? What will be the indications that we have heard what God has to say, that we have been transformed by its truths? I believe that the final passage in this book of Joshua and actually the very first verse in the very next book of Judges reveal the very practical test of our faith. It's why I'm excited about how this practical test that we're going to study today flows perfectly into our next series on James called Test Your Faith. So today as we finish up this series, I believe that God has a direct challenge for everyone here to consider. Grace life needs to determine what kind of legacy that we are building and what kind of legacy we are leaving behind as a church and as individual members of this church family. So with that in mind, let's read our, our passage today from Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 29. After these things, Joshua, the servant of the Lord, died at 110 years old. They buried him in, in, his, in his own inheritance at Timnath Sarah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount, the Mount of Gash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the works that the Lord did for Israel. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the land Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. That's significant, by the way, that that land was bought. We'll talk about that later. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, also died, and they buried him at Gibeah, the town of Phinehas, his son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? Because the job wasn't quite done. Remember, there were still people that needed to be driven out. And we see in Judges chapter 1, 
these people inquire of the Lord. So let's look at the history of our passage. I want you to see, I've called this section a legacy of faithfulness. So a legacy, just in case you don't understand, you're going to hear the word legacy. Uh, I think it was pointed out to me by some of my sermon coaches that I had it in there 29 times, okay? <laughs> legacy is something that is passed on or inherited from an ancestor or a predecessor. And that's what we have here. The death and burial of Joseph and Eliezer and the burying of Joseph's, uh, the death and burial of Joshua, sorry, and Eliezer, the high priest, and the burying of Joseph's bones is a transition to the next generation. And after this remarkable life that Joshua has led, he dies. He was a faithful follower of our God. He was loyal and an incredibly talented leader for almost 70 years. He led Israel in the conquest of Canaan, and then he created those governing structures uh, as the tribes settled into their new home. Remember, we talked about the cities of refuge and other things that Joshua set up. Remember, we studied those cities of refuge and all those things, and, and then Joshua led Israel in these incredible, powerful moments of corporate worship that drew in, they were so powerful, they drew in outsiders to become worshipers of God. Remember at Mount Ebal, that's one of our favorite stories, right, here at Mount Lockwood Ridge, <laughs> where sojourners left their gods, their false gods, and decided to worship the Lord. Joshua also led as a prophet, speaking directly for God, inspiring Israel when they were afraid, affirming them when they were obedient, and then several times when Israel wandered from God, Joshua admonished them and shepherded them back to faithfulness. And as much as Israel mourned Moses when, when he died, I would imagine the loss of Joshua was even harder. He was the last of that generation that both crossed the Red Sea and the Jordan River into Canaan. And another act of honor was given to a man that we studied together here at our church in our Surviving Egypt series, an honor is given to Joseph. Remember, Joseph, by faith, at the end of his life said, listen, we're here in Egypt right now, but one day we're going to leave, and when you do, take my bones with you and bury them in the land that my father bought. This was the land Joseph's father Jacob had purchased. It's the same land, by the way, this land that he purchased. It's the same land they're fighting over right now. So Eliezer, the high priest, also dies. He's buried in Ephraim, which is the city given to his son Phinehas, who now becomes the high priest. So you see what's happening here. There's transition. All these revered patriarchs are buried in places given to them as inheritances by God, and it's a beautiful way to honor them. By burying Joshua in his own yard is basically what happens here. Isn't the only way they honored him, though. That generation also chose to follow his example. So all those leaders continued to faithfully serve God after Joshua is dead. And they did that for the rest of their lives. Joshua's death marks the end of an era, but Israel still had work to do. They needed to finish going and taking the land, going into the land and taking it. Another way they honored Joshua's legacy is in the first verse of the next book of Judges. I put it back up on the screen for you. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. Now, Israel must finish their conquest of Canaan. 
but do it without Joshua. But they remember the lessons learned from the past. Remember, do you remember the story of how Israel was deceived by the Gibeonites because they failed to do what? Inquire of the Lord. Joshua 9, 14. Remember this? This is what happened. So the men took some of their provisions from, from Gibeon, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. See, even under Joshua, Israel had forgotten the importance of relying upon the presence of God every step of the way. We, learned, we saw this lesson at the Battle of Ai, the first one, right, where they got their butts kicked because they didn't inquire of the Lord. They handled this new challenge exactly how Joshua would have told them to handle it. Before you go finish the battle, ask God. Now, why would the death of Eliezer, the high priest, be mentioned in this same passage? The son of Aaron. Because the high priest was the one in charge of inquiring of the Lord for Joshua and Israel. Do you see that? So the new high priest, Eliezer's son, Phinehas, he inquires for God, okay, how should we continue the conquest? Who should do it? That's why Eliezer is mentioned. All right, that's the history of the passage. Look at the spiritual section. I want you to see that Israel is walking in their footsteps. So let's go back to where Joshua's legacy first began. It's when Moses died and God gave Joshua a very important great commission. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. You guys remember this. One of our first messages in Joshua. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, go into the land, if you will, that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it from the right or to the left. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. This thing has been up here the whole series, and that's why. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Keep that in mind for later. <clears throat> Joshua was given this commission by God. And a promise. He said, listen, Joshua, lead the people, go into the land, and do everything I've commanded you to do. But it's not going to be easy, Joshua. You will need to be strong and courageous every step of the way. Because every nation in Canaan will hate you and my people for what I've commanded you to do. But don't worry. Be courageous, because I will never leave you. I will never forget about you. Even on those days when you fail. Even on those days when you miss your exit. <laughs> See, we've learned in our series, right? Joshua was far from perfect, but he was faithful. There's a difference, right? He obeyed God to the best of his abilities. And because of his legacy, that next generation had a beautiful example a legacy to learn from and to follow, and this is so important. You know, there's another place where some people who are faithful are listed in Hebrews 11. There's a list of people with a very similar legacy to Joshua that inspired faithfulness in those who came after them. Did you know, in fact, in Hebrews 11, some of those who are listed in Hebrews 11 we've actually learned about in our story of Joshua. In fact, there's more people in that list in Hebrews 11 than from any other book from Joshua. But not Joshua, oddly enough. 
Hebrews 11, verse 22 and 30 and 31. Look at this. By faith, Joseph, he's mentioned in that passage that we just read today. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And there's our precious sister Rahab. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she gave a friendly welcome to the spies. As great a legacy as Joshua left, he isn't listed in Hebrews 11. But Rahab, the Gentile prostitute, is. Remember her story? A Gentile woman who God's grace transformed into a timeless, generational example of faithfulness and the power of redemption. In fact, Rahab has become the inspiration to every outsider, just like you, just like me, every outsider who has ever found their way to that great worship service at Mount Ebal and now here at Mount Lockwood Ridge and other places. Like Joshua, Rahab wasn't perfect, but she was faithful. You see the difference again, right? We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about faithfulness. Rahab's legacy as an outsider transformed by grace is probably more attainable for us and inspiring for us on Mount Lockwood Ridge than Joshua, isn't it? Many of you know how it feels to once be on the outside. Then by grace, somehow God brought you into his family. And as you worship here on Mount Lockwood Ridge, and then as we go into the land together, can you see, can you see how relating to her legacy is so powerful? She, along with others, are part of what Hebrews calls in chapter 12 this cloud of witnesses that inspire us with their legacy of faithfulness to never give up what God has called us to do, which is to what? Go into the land. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, look at this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a legacy of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's Hebrews 12 describing the list of those who have a legacy of faithfulness in Hebrews 11. They are given to us as a gift, a cloud of witnesses. The cloud of witnesses God was building didn't stop there with them. he's continued to build that cloud when he sent the Holy Spirit after he he ascended to heaven. You know, the apostles became part of that cloud once they, remember we talked about this last week, once they found their way back to Jesus after the resurrection, we talked about the monument of the Lord's table. And through God's grace, they, the apostles who had abandoned Jesus and pretended like they didn't even know him, ran in fear. Those apostles became part of the cloud of witnesses. Examples of courage and faithfulness teaching us by their example how to remain faithful. And we need their legacy for the commission that Jesus has given us, which is to go into the land and take it with the gospel. Okay, let's look at the personal section. I want to talk about our legacy of redemption. This was a sermon preview this week. I asked a question, who are those whose legacy inspires you to be faithful to Jesus? 
Will your legacy inspire others the same way? So we've established, <coughs> excuse me, we've established throughout this series, right, just how similar Joshua's commission is to the one Jesus gave to us. I'm putting it up there on the screen. This is the last slide of the day. It's going to be up there the whole time for a reason. Okay, let's just look at it. Let's just read it. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go into the land. You see that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. Do everything that I've commanded. But don't worry, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you see how they're the exact same commission, just ours is bigger? This commission Jesus gave the apostles that has been passed down through generations to us right now, this moment today, here at Grace Life on Mount Lockwood Ridge, is much harder than Joshua's. Our inheritance isn't just Canaan. You understand that? Our inheritance is the entire world. We have been called to go and take it with the gospel. So what's happening in Israel right now is heavy. But you know, that land really isn't God's primary focus anymore. I think people get distracted by Israel too much. I mean, it's bad what's going on, and we want righteousness and all those things. But that land, that plot of land that that Jacob bought where Joseph wanted to be buried, that land in Canaan, that's not really God's primary focus anymore. Our calling isn't Canaan. Our calling isn't to end up in Jerusalem. Our calling is to take the entire world, to go into all the nations with a gospel that evil despises more than it despises Israel. That's why Jesus said, don't be surprised when the world hates you because of me and my commands. But he also made a promise, even though they'll hate you, just as he promised for Joshua, he promises, I will never leave you, I'll never forget about you, as you go into the land doing what I commanded you to do. Meanwhile, the cloud of witnesses inspiring our faithfulness continues to grow. And it will continue to grow until Jesus returns. This cloud right now that is surrounding us is a much bigger cloud of witnesses than Joshua had. It's way bigger than the one the apostles had. It's bigger today, this cloud of witnesses that is inspiring us to be faithful as we go into the land. This cloud is bigger today, right now, than at any other time in church history. The church is not struggling. We might mess up, but the church, as far as God calling people out of darkness into light, it is thriving just as God intended it to. The cloud of witnesses around us is filled with miraculous stories of each one of God's redeemed, including your story of redemption. You think Israel had lots of really cool stories about God's power? You think Jericho and Rahab were inspirational stories? The church has seen far bigger walls than Jericho come tumbling down for the sake of the gospel. The church is filled with stories of outsiders brought into God's family through the cross, through the gospel that has been proclaimed by his church. Our stories are even more miraculous and inspirational than God parting a river or defeating Canaanite kings. The miracles of transformation 
that God works in the lives of his chosen adds to the massive cloud of witnesses surrounding us each and every day. I mean, let's face it. This cloud of witnesses is a lot better than just burial sites in someone's backyard. Our legacy is full of Jericho's and Rahab's. This cloud of witnesses, along with the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel, is keeping us faithful as we go into the land. And there are people in this cloud of witnesses who fill my heart with tremendous love and affection when I remember them. I remember my first pastor, Al Cockrell, who died a year ago. I love him. Tremendous impact on my life. I remember my first professor, my first Bible professor, Norman Spots. Godly man, incredible part of this cloud of witnesses. I remember my beloved mentor, Tom Fillinger, who died from COVID a couple of years ago, taught me so much about time management and things like that. I, I could not be a pastor today without him. I remember Coach Bowden and the impact he had on me as a young football coach growing up in Florida. And this legacy of the cloud of witnesses who have passed on are a huge part of who I am as your pastor, so blame them. But you know what? There's something else. There are names in this cloud surrounding me that I still talk to all the time. Legacies that inspire me to stay faithful as I go into the land. People like Daryl Davis, who helped start Grace Life. Dan Olson, one of my best friends and sermon coaches. Pastor Bruce Hedgepeth, those of you that know him from the garden. My dear sister Megan, part of this cloud of witnesses. Our shepherd team. God is surrounding us with incredible cloud of witnesses. All of you, the redeemed, my church family, your stories of redemption are a huge part of the legacy of this cloud of witnesses God is building that keeps me going even when it's hard. When I'm tempted to wander or forget or get complacent, I'm surrounded by your legacies and the lessons you have taught me. Some lessons you guys have taught me with your words. Some you have taught me by your faithfulness and your actions as we gather here at Mount Lockwood Ridge. Not just your successes, by the way. Also how you've handled your failures. Even the mercy with which you've handled my failures. And we'll have to again, trust me. I've learned so much from your stories. How God is using you to refine one another, and to expand his kingdom. I'm so incredibly grateful. Do you see see how God is using this cloud of witnesses to inspire us as a church family to faithfully follow the Lamb wherever he goes? So who are the legacies in this cloud surrounding us that inspire you or your personal faithfulness to what God has called you to do? I mean, you could probably list several right now in your head. Some who are still alive, maybe some who have already died. You know, there's no greater way to honor their legacy than to follow in their footsteps as we go into the land together. Stories like Joshua, Rahab, and ours remind us that Jesus will keep his promise. And what was the promise he made to Joshua and to the apostles and to us? He will never leave us or forget about us. 
Be faithful as they were. Or those who are right now being faithful alongside of you as Jesus brings new outsiders into Mount Lockwood Ridge. Okay, there is another side of this lesson, though. As you go into the land with us, God is definitely trying to make you a part of this cloud of witnesses as well. You, too, have a responsibility to this powerful cloud of witnesses as God unfolds your precious redemption story. Don't be selfish with the cloud of witnesses that God is building. It's not just for you. It's for others, too. You need to be a part of the cloud of witnesses, not just a taker from it, but a contributor to it. You need to be a part of it because let me tell you something. If Grace Life is going to do all that God has called us to do as we go into the land, if we're really going to do everything we're supposed to do at Mount Lockwood Ridge, we need your legacy too. Does that make you nervous? Do you think your legacy could never be inspirational to others? You don't think your legacy could be something that tells others to be strong and courageous and faithful? Well, here's what I say. If God's grace kept Joshua faithful, transformed Rahab into an inspiration, brought the apostles back from such a colossal failure to become faithful, he will do the same for you. If, one caveat, if you have been given the gift of faith. You don't have to be a Joshua to be a part of this cloud. All you have to do is be redeemed. Then our Jesus will take care of the rest. This is what we will be learning about in our next study in James. That faith doesn't leave, if, if your faith doesn't leave a legacy, it's not really faith at all. It's just religion. Now, to be blessed by this cloud of witnesses, to be part of this cloud of witnesses, you're going to have to be around it. Do you desire to do all the Lord commands? Do you want to be strong and courageous like Joshua and Rahab and others before you were and those around you are? Well, the first step is gathering at Mount Lockwood Ridge with the cloud of witnesses our Jesus is assembling. Without them, listen to me, without them, you will never build a legacy of being strong and courageous. This is not an individual sport. You will never, if you're not around the cloud, you will never have what it takes to go into the land and do all our Jesus has commanded us to do. You know what else you'll never experience without the cloud? the joy of the promise that he made to never leave you or forsake you. Because here, right here, among the cloud of witnesses, that's where his promise is kept. Because this is where he is. Dear Jesus, Sometimes we think about this call, this commission you've given us to go into the land just like the one you gave to Joshua. Lord, we know we're not doing as much of it as we should, but we're trying. We want to do more, but things get in the way. 
apprehension, busyness, selfishness. But Lord, even in the midst of that, even when we blow right by our exit, we miss our way, we get off the path, those whom you have called and given the gift of faith, you always bring us back. So Lord, we know that we can't be perfect, but you are making us faithful. Lord, I'm so grateful for this not just the cloud of witnesses you're building at Grace Life. There's a massive cloud that you're building throughout Sarasota in churches who preach the gospel. And we are a part of all of it. Lord, I pray for those who are part of your family here today, those who you have, as Revelation teaches us, marked for redemption. Lord, I pray that you would make sure that we understand that we cannot be a part of the legacy on our own. We need to be with your people. And as we cross our own version of the Jordan together, as we go into new places of ministry and we take the gospel to places that haven't heard it yet or, or to people that you are calling that need to hear it, Lord, when we do that, we pray that you would remind us of your presence. Give us that strength and that courage. Lord, I pray for those that are here today maybe as feeling like a little bit of an outsider. They're not here by chance. You've drawn them to Mount Lockwood Ridge for a reason. Lord, if it be your will, we beg of you, please make them a part of this cloud of witnesses. Give them the gift of faith. Give them eyes that see, ears that hear the gospel so that they can become part of this band of followers of Jesus who are going into the land with the greatest message ever told. And when we get discouraged, Lord, remind us of those that are around us and those before us who you have made faithful even though they were unfaithful themselves. Thank you so much for the story of Joshua, Rahab, Caleb, Eliezer and Phineas and Aaron, those imperfect men who are able to faithfully follow you, not because of their own righteousness, but because of what you have imparted to them. Keep us faithful to the Great Commission. Help us to remember you'll never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, keep us a part of this cloud of witnesses that